So uh, we did this series about a year and a half ago, right after we launched. The reason that we did that series, uh, this series, Contenders to Fight for Us, is because one thing that we're passionate about here at Restore Church is healthy marriages. If you're single, don't write us off, okay? Uh, if you're single, okay, if you're single uh, and you desire to be married one day, over the next couple of weeks, uh, what, the things we're going to talk about are non-negotiables. And you know what I'm talking about. Non-negotiables are uh, loving Jesus, uh, have to love Chick-fil-A, Clemson Tigers, normal things like that. <laughs> non-negotiables. If you don't desire to be married, and remember, we're going to talk about singleness on the fifth Sunday, so single people stick with us. Uh, if you don't desire to be married, that's okay. Um, just love everyone anyway and be here because it's good. Also, there's a lot of principles that you can apply to your life just in general that we're going to talk about. Um, also, I'm going to say this every week. Married people, stop trying to get single people married. Okay, I, I'm going to say it even if it doesn't apply to anything we're talking about every week. Here's why we're doing this series, Contenders, the fight for us. A lot of us in, in our marriages, we think about, our, or in our relationships, so if you're dating in a relationship, we think about uh, sometimes that we get in the ring and it's our spouse on the opposite side. Okay, Think about the last fight you had or argument you had. Those are healthy. You should have those. How did it work out? Because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll get in the ring, oh, and we will get hyped up. You know, we're the ones standing on the corner looking at the crowd beating our chest, and then we get in the ring, and we are ready to rumble. And the fight is oftentimes against our spouse. I, I love this phrase. If you get in a fight with your spouse and you win, great for you. But the person you love the most in this world just lost. So it puts you in quite a predicament. What if in our marriages right now, you decide that we will not fight against each other, but you and I will be on the same team, right? Uh, we will be unified, and we are going to fight the other thing, the thing, the issue, the journey, the job, the career, the, the, tra the tragedy, whatever it is. You're going to fight it together, and you're going to get through whatever it is better together. Can you guys say that phrase with me, better together? One, two, three better together. Man, apply that to your life and your relationships. And so that's the heart behind this series is we want our marriages to be better because we're better together. When you're on a team, it's not about you, unless you're Kelly Bryant. When you're on a team, it's not about you, unless you're LeBron James. It's not about you. And your marriage is the same. You're on a team, and it's not about you. It's about the team. It's not about the name on the back of the jersey, but the one on the front. So let's just study Bible together. Can we do that? Today we're going to look at uh, Ephesians. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians 5. We're going to walk through this thing together. Uh, we're just going to study Scripture. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to study today. Um, and uh, Gina has a Bible for you. If you want one, just throw your hand up. We'd love for you to have one of the last four Bibles we have. There's one over here, Gina. And we want you to have that. That's your Bible. Take that home. That's, that's yours. Oh, we'd love for you to study it. If, if you don't have a Bible and you want to follow, us, follow along with this on the YouVersion Bible app or the Restore Church app, 
uh, that's great too. You can follow along with us on the TVs also. Um, but uh, the verse we're going to look at, it's actually not on the screen yet. Uh, but if you're in Ephesians 5, if you're following, if you're not, just listen. Because here's what, here's what Paul writes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Here's, here's the study part. Paul writes this letter to a church in Ephesus. And his, his idea behind this letter, now their churches were not like this. They were very small home churches that they would all meet actually every day, not just on Sundays. And so this letter that Paul sends to the church of Ephesus, it's meant to be passed around from home to home to home to home to home. They're having this real tough time at this church based on um, racism. Uh-oh. And what you have are Jews who are God's holy and chosen people. And they think, and maybe rightly so, they think, man, we are God's, we're better. We're elite. And, you know, when you're God's, when you belong to God, you should think that uh, to an extent. You're not better than anybody else. But there's, there's some dignity to say, I belong to God. But what happens is inside this church, the Jews take that a little bit too much. And Gentiles, anybody, if, if you're Jewish, you're not a Gentile. But if you're not Jewish, you are. Anybody who's not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And so these Gentiles are coming to pursue a relationship with Jesus, and the Jews just aren't having it. There's actually a wall inside uh, at, at one of these churches that, that, that Gentiles could not pass. Imagine walking into this church and seeing like an aisle down the middle, and Jews sitting on one side and Gentiles on the other. The racism was real. And so Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian church, the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians, to try to unify them. And the first three chapters are about Jesus. Like, we should be unified about Jesus. No other thing in this world would bring this group of people together. Some of you hate sports. Some of you love sports. Some of you, like, I don't know what else to life there is besides sports, so I don't have another analogy, but you know what I'm saying. Some of you like cars and your motorheads. Then there's the rest of us, right? Like, there's, you would come to watch a movie. I don't like going to the movies. There's nothing in our society that would bring this together other than Jesus and the fact that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, Paul recognizes that, and so the first three chapters of Ephesians are set up so that we can all understand that we need Jesus before we need anything else. Then he says to them, now that you Jews need Jesus and the Gentiles need Jesus, how are you going to fit together in the same body of believers, the same gathering, so to speak, and not be at each other's throats? Well, for the last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul says, this is how you act toward one another. And in the middle of that, we just read Ephesians chapter 5. Now, act like God's children. You belong to him, so imitate him and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And it's within this section that he's like, all right, if I'm going to tell you how to belong to God, 
And I'm going to tell you how to act with one another. Shouldn't we apply this to our homes also? Yeah, we should. And so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 is where we're going to pick up. It, it is on the screen. So I'm going to read a verse, and then will you take it off the screen? All right. Don't look at these. I can't block it up there. So just use your hand in front of your eyes like this. Chapter, we're going to, we're going to study verse 21 for a second, and it says, uh, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pause. Apply this to your marriage now, and the sermon can be over. Apply this at work with your crew, with your unit. Apply this to your kids, uh, and then force your kids to apply it to you. That's a good one. Yeah, amen, right? So submit. Uh, now, here's what you can't do when we read this. Oh, I really want that one verse here. Just pull it all up. I'll just, I will just do it this way. Remember, cover it up. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, look, you see verse 22, and all the women are like cringing in your seat. Like, don't read that one. Verse 21 says this. It's the blanket. It's the umbrella for verses 22 to 33. If you're looking in your Bible, you'll see it. It's like a, there's like a break. But it, right here, so submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In a second, I'm going to tell you that I think it should be the husbands who are like, oh, don't read the next few verses. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This submission, the word submit, I want to talk about it for a second. Uh, it really means submitting to the team over yourself. To looking at the other people and saying, I would rather this team win than I would win. Basketball fans, this is why the San Antonio Spurs have been good for decades after decades after decades. They really haven't had a superstar. And when they do get the superstar, he says, man, I'm ready for the team to win over myself. You can't find a sports figure who cares about the team anymore. It's all about themselves. You, you can't find a, a, a key figure in our, imagine our political system. If someone were to say, uh, let, let's imagine 2020, all the presidents are up there with me because I'm going to run in 2020. I'm not old enough, huh? So anyway, we're running. Uh, you know, let's just say that, that the presidents are lined up. I'm going to vote for the next person that says, to me, it doesn't matter who wins. Let's just get America good. You're not going to find that. You're going to find the political candidate who's going to tear everybody else down to make themselves look good. It's, in, it's rare to find an employee who cares more about the business than they do their own personal career. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more hard to find a spouse who cares more about the strength of their relationship than they do themselves. Would you sit up a little bit in your seat and say, I'm going to be that? I will care more about the team. What submission looks like uh, is actually found in the Bible. Imagine that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, it's on the screen. It says, therefore, uh, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded 
having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Check out these next verses. Uh, if you're a spouse, underline these or highlight these. Write these on your mirror or whatever you need to do at home. Can you imagine just applying these? I could stop at many points during this sermon because there are, like you could apply these two verses and your marriage will be better tomorrow. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, consider others, rather in humility, consider others a better than yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of your spouse first. I think that's a perfect picture of submission. And if you have your Bible and you just keep reading, you'll see that Paul uses the example of Jesus turning down equality with God, but instead coming, to, coming down here to live among sinners to die as an example of these verses. And so, what would your marriage look like if you began uh, thinking of your marriage as a fight for something? A fight for something, maybe it's a fight against something, but instead you're on the same team as opposed to being on each other. Submission means, submission to one another means team first over individual. Means considering your spouse, their needs above your own. It means saying I'm sorry. I think the most two powerful words in a marriage are saying I'm sorry and meaning it. How about this? When you apologize from now on, just say, I'm sorry. Don't follow it with anything else. Not, I'm sorry that your feelings got hurt, because that's not real. I'm sorry you're so sensitive, because you're a jerk. Just, look, I'm sorry. And just leave it at that. Submission means that you stop thinking about marriage as 50-50. And you start thinking about marriage as 100-100. You keep it 100, as my friend would say. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. That's true. Um, but instead of saying, I'm only going to give 50, no, you give it all every day. Submitting to one another means you make someone else your priority. Hey, I want to go back to that verse real quick. If you, if you could, go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and, and look at this. Why do we submit to one another? It's out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is going to add a lot more meaning to this verse. Because what this means is you submit to one another not based on the merit of your spouse. I mean, sometimes we'll say, uh, um, you know, I, I'll, I, I'll submit to him when he's, when he's whatever done this, 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 and this, or when he stops doing this, 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 and this, then I'll submit to him. That was the best I had at a, like a neck thing. Or you will be, or, or husbands will be like, I'll, yeah, I'll submit to her when she stops this, or when she gets off my back, or whatever. Listen, for a Christ follower in a marriage, you say, I'm going to submit to her because of what Jesus has done for the both of us. Not based on anything. So let's flip this. I can't earn her submission. Eh, that's not true. Scratch that. That wasn't in my notes. Shouldn't have said that. You can. And husbands, you, you will. I'll show you in just a few minutes. 
Out of reverence for Christ, we submit to one another because of Jesus' great love, the love we just sang about, the overwhelming, reckless love. And uh, we can't put merit on that. Mutual submission is a key to your marriage. If you want your marriage to move from good to great, or if you want your marriage to move out of the pit and just take a step out, try submitting to one another. And do it this way. Instead of saying, hey, you're not submitting to me, uh, you just lead by example. Lead by example. So now let's get into it. All right, all the wives cringe together. One, two, three. Okay. So it's not so bad. All right, cool. We're not cringing. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Man, you really shouldn't cringe. The husband that you married, you love them, right? And, and so uh, s- submit yourself to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to your husbands in everything. Don't flinch. Ladies, don't flinch. Because here's what we already know. On verse 21, a good marriage is mutual submission. You're going to see in a few verses, number one, you're not the only one submitting in this marriage. And number two, your husband's going to have to do a whole lot more submitting than you will. Actually, it's called serving. But, uh, so it's mutual submission. Someone said amen. I don't know that that was the right time, but okay. Either Either that or your husband's not in here, but whatever. Uh, in this section, uh, it calls the husband, let's see, where is it? In verse 23, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he's a savior. When Paul talks about the husband being the head of the wife, I want to talk for a second about what it does mean and what it doesn't mean. What it does mean is that the husband, you are the spiritual leader in your home. So even when Paul's talking to wives, he's still kind of like talking to us dudes, right? And it says that he is the head of the wife as Christ is to the church. This is you being a leader, not an authoritarian and so I want to get real for a minute. In our, in our home, you would look at our house, and if you were to watch my wife and I uh, in the way we act, I mean, the way that, not the, I don't know how else to say this. Okay, if you were to watch us, you might say she's the leader of our home. She would say that's not true, and I, I wouldn't either. I don't think that's true. But I'm the, I'm the leader of our home. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But my wife is the CEO, CFO, uh, manager, shift leader, uh, and child wrangler. And she does all those re- extremely well. And she does a thousand other things that I can't even pretend to do. Actually, I could do them. I just can't do them all at once like she can. And so, look, to be a leader of your home doesn't mean you have to know what bills come in because I don't. I don't know what bills we have. If Aaron left me tomorrow, I am screwed Like, I don't know. She could have a secret fund, and I don't know about it. This is true. 
That's trust. That's it. That's it. It's a lesson in trust. <laughs> um, I mean, you don't have to know every single thing about your home to be the leader. But one thing you have to do to be the leader is lead. And so, uh, I want to talk about these, what these do not mean. These verses do not give any husband authority over his wife. Because the Bible says that all authority has been given to whom? To Jesus. These verses do not give any husband or any man the right to be abusive. Physically, check this out, verbally. Men, do you talk to your wife the way that you would want a man to talk to your daughter? Emotionally, women are not something to be manipulated Something to, your wife is something to be cared for, or verbally. And so, don't use the Bible to say, you have to submit to me. And wives, if they do, I'm going to show you what verses to use in return. <laughs> but it says this, uh, now this is the part to, to underline, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of of the church. There are, pr- there are plenty of reasons why we as the church choose to follow Jesus as our leader. And Paul knows those and he gives them to us uh, in just a few verses later. And uh, let's look at them. Let's go to this next slide. All right, guys, buck up. Let's go. This is, look, when I say guys, buck up, that's me too, okay? So uh, this is challenging for me to preach and to read and to study just like it is you. Um, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Don't read verse 26 yet. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Sermon over. Uh, Men, you live this out. Your marriage will be better tomorrow. Um, Wives, why should you follow your husband? Um, Why should you allow him to lead? Because he should be loving you the same way that Jesus loved the church. Let's take a moment just to think. I'm gonna, I have a list, but it's not even scratching the surface. How did Christ love the church? Uh, how about unconditionally? No prerequisites. How about mercifully? Passionately. How many times in the Bible does Jesus walk up on a group of people and he says he had compassion on them? He loved them with, uh, without any expectation of return. Here's what, uh, here's what I love about this. Jesus died for people that he knew would not love him back. Man, I, I wish I could live this out. Especially that part. Like to love your wife and not keep score. <laughs> uh, uh, I love to do the laundry because uh, and I, I never do the laundry, but I love to do the laundry because it's a card I can hold. Well, Aaron, I did the laundry last week. You know, I shouldn't have to cut the grass too. Jeez. No, I lo- like without keeping score. And Jesus did the same thing. He died for us and he didn't, he's not keeping score. So let me ask you, uh, guys, 
does this describe how you love your wife? Do you love her the way that Jesus loved the church? Dudes, we will always fail to love the same way that Jesus loved the church. But we can sure as heck try. Now, let me ask you this. I asked you how uh, would that list describe how you love your wife? Um, Would your wife say that? Would your wife say that you match up to that list of the way that Christ loved the church? Or if she were to make her own list, what would she say? Would she say, offer me? Not just, not just how hard he works. And he spent every night before he goes to bed because of he pours himself out emotionally at home. Hey, that's a good dude. Don't be tough. Uh, pour yourself out emotionally. Uh, but not when other people are around because that can be embarrassing sometimes. I'm kidding. That's good. Cry. So that I'm not the only one. Just cry, okay? Um, no, pour it out, man. Pour it out. Uh, I, wanna, I just want to ask you real quick. Um, how do you talk about your wife when she's not around? Um, do you defend her? Do you praise her? Um, that's just a, a question to answer. Now, guys, there's a verse to this. Uh, don't leave. I know you're like, man, this guy is making me mad. Uh, That's all right. I'll just cry about it later. Um, No, there's a purpose to this. So you give yourself up for her. Why? It's not for you. It's for her. Because you're submitting to her, right? So you're going to make her holy. That's a spiritual leader. You're going to help cleanse her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is tough for me, the leader of my house. Uh, I, I, this is in my notes, but this is good. Um, the only way submission can happen is with permission. And that rhymes, so it's really good. The reason, the only way for submission to happen is for you to grant permission. Guys, uh, I'm going to give you a few steps. I'm saying this, but I haven't lived these out completely. But you need to give your wife permission to tell you when you're not cutting it. And don't get PO'd, as Napoleon Dynamite would say, when she's right. Because if, it's on the t- if you're on the team, if you're a team, then you're fighting against sometimes yourself. And uh, I got to tell you, sometimes I'm, re- I'm really, really good at presenting other people as holy. I love being with you. And I love reading scripture with you in a coffee shop or in your home. And, and, and helping wash you with water through the word. And man, I'm so excited to watch you walk through addiction and to watch you walk through this struggle you're having and and to watch you and your wife like killing it. And then when I get home and my wife's like, what about me? You're not cutting it. What, What about me? And it's like in that moment, what are you like, what am I gonna do? What do you mean about you? 
This ain't about you. We moved here to start a church for other people. This, this, this whole thing isn't about you. And it's not about me. I'm probably right. I mean, that's not wrong. Or I can back up and say, I can back up and, and lay it all down. You're right. And I'm sorry. I don't do that very often. Uh, let me say it this way. I don't do it often enough. Uh, we should be doing this every, every day. And so I want to ask just real quick. You guys survey your marriage later. Have conversations. We're going to give you some questions at the end of each sermon to ask just the two of you at home. Uh, they're great questions to ask. But real quick, take a survey of how you would present your, your wife right now. Is she, would you present her as holy? As clean through the word? Can you present your wife as radiant or without stain, without wrinkle, uh, without blemish? Could, could, you, could you present her that way? Or would you present your wife as tired, exhausted, beat up, gone through the ringer? And uh, when it talks about being make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, I, I love to be challenged, guys. I mean, it, it like ignites me. Um, I'm just going to say this. If your wife is struggling spiritually, that's on you. Lead by example. Right? Start a Bible study with her. Pray with her. That stinks. I mean, that's tough. It's weird if you're not into it. Like, if you haven't done it before, that's weird. But just do it together. Um, if you're having trouble with that, just know this. I do too. Because not all the time do I want my wife to hear the things I'm praying for or praying about. And uh, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes. And this is where she'll call me on a carpet because I would love to pray with you. I'd love to sit in a coffee shop and pray with you or over the phone and pray with you or sit out here in the lobby and pray with you. Um, let's keep going before I tell you everything about my marriage. Um, it's hard work, isn't it, guys? Yeah? If we're going to do this, it's going to take a uh, commitment to being humble. To not always being right, even though some, we are, let's just put it out there. Um, it requires humility and requires us submitting. And I would say that if we get through this passage, you would say um, that it, it's more submitting on our part as men uh, and as husbands. So, uh, real quick, I love this part. Uh, I said this a year and a half ago when we preached this sermon. Guys, who gets to decide if you're loving your wife enough? We'll sit here all day. I mean, uh, who, when you read through this, okay, Jesus, good answers. Uh, that, that's good. Um, but between the two of you, who gets to decide if you're loving uh, her enough? Yeah. Yeah. Notice all the women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I come home and I, I pray with this guy, we built a shed, uh, you know, I read scripture with this guy, and my wife's like, hey, you're not cutting it at home. I don't get to say, yes, I am. I did laundry three months ago. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get to say, I am loving you enough. Your wife does. Uh, this, is, this is a practical thing. Uh, last, last year I said this, and I got like four or five pictures 
that Sunday after church, and it was awesome. Husbands, here's what, to give permission to your wife, here's what you do. Academy Sports is right next door. Go in and buy her a referee jersey or a whistle or something to signify, and you give it to her. This is, this is a man card you're playing, all right? And you give it to her, and you say, you call me out. You call the shots. You call the fouls. And when I'm not loving you enough, you tell me. Now, you got to be all in on that because, you know, like my wife, she hasn't forgotten anything. All right. And she doesn't misplace anything. Okay. So if this, whist- this whistle will find its way out again. Anyway, find, uh, go do that. I'm, I'm serious. Go do it. Or find something. It can be anything. But whistles are cheap, so do that. Husbands, uh, uh, I'm going to talk to you wives in just one second, but husbands, uh, here's your conversation pieces. So if you're writing down uh, or taking notes or something, uh, here are the three questions you're going to ask this afternoon to make your marriage better tonight or tomorrow. Ask your wife, am I loving you enough? And be humble with the answer. Wives, be gentle with your answer. Um, but husbands, don't put your defense up right away. Am I loving you enough? How can I serve you better? How can I love you better? Those are three great, great questions. How can I, uh, am I loving you enough? That's a yes or no or a kinda. Kinda means no. Um, how can I serve you better? And how can I show you that I love you better? Um, And I'll tell you, these questions will make you worth following if you listen. Guys, be worth following. Men, be worth following. Okay. One more line for you men, and then I'll move on to the women. You guys are like, all right, dudes, for real. You got to stop hitting me over the head with this stuff. Um, It wasn't me. It's Paul. So blame him. And he's in heaven, so... uh, but uh, if you are going to, if your wife's going to follow you, you got to be worth following. So uh, be worth following. And I got to tell you, there, there's just times in our lives where we're not, we're not cutting it, and we're not leading. So be worth following. Lead your home spiritually. Lead by example. Um, and uh, lay it all down. Okay. Wives. All the men are like, finally. Wives, here are the questions for you to ask. Okay, they're similar, but the first one's different. Am I allowing you to lead? Ladies, if you want us to lead, you have to let us. And so while I just challenged your husband to go home and be worth following, you have got to go home and be worth leading. It's really hard to lead someone who doesn't want to be led. So are you willing to submit to your husband and say, hey, if you're all in, I'm all in? Or are you willing to say to your husband, even if you're not all in, I am? Um, So wives, be worth leading. Seek Jesus before you seek your husband. Love Jesus more than you love him. Uh, Here's your questions. The first one, am I allowing you to lead? The second one and the third one are the same that we asked them in. Uh, How can I serve you better? Um, And the third one is, how can I love you better? How can I show you I love you better? 
At the end of this passage, uh, we're going to look right here, verses 32 to 33, um, they say this, uh, I'm just going to skip to verse 32. He quotes, uh, he quotes um, God in the Garden of Eden uh, after Adam and Eve. And then verse 32, he says, this profound mystery. But I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Here's what's crazy. Paul, he says, submit to one another out of reverence. How can I talk about this? Man, the best way that I can talk about submission is about Christ and Jesus. I mean, about, he's the same person. Talk about Christ and the church and the mutual submission that they have for one another. Jesus laid down his life for the church. The church serves Jesus every day. Man, what a great uh, way to tell them how to submit to one another. What's the best example I have of that? a husband, and a wife, and the way they submit to one another. And so in the middle of that, he's like, I'm actually talking about Jesus and his love for the church. But while I'm at it, I want husbands to love their wives this way. And so here's what we know about how Christ loves the church. Look, he, he doesn't stop. It's relentless love. He, he forgives every day. The Bible says that his mercies are new every day. Does that describe your marriage? He's always forgiving us. Does that describe your marriage? He's always loving unconditionally. He's always communicating. Over the next few weeks, guys, guys and women here, uh, we're going to talk about some real serious things that will make your marriage better. I promise. Give us five weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about... Um, creating a culture of honesty in your marriage. We're going to talk about asking for forgiveness. We're going to talk about confession next week, how, how and when to confess. We're going to talk about how and when to extend grace and the work that it takes for those things to happen. The week after that, uh, we're going to talk about creating and maintaining intimacy in your marriage. Remember, parents, in two weeks, we're going to talk about sex. So if you want your kids in here to hear it, man, it's going to be the best place for it. Uh, if you don't, we're going to create some extra room in the village elementary class that they could enjoy and be back there. But we're going to talk about how to seek intimacy instead of sex and how you will have more sex if you seek intimacy, but whatever. We're going to talk about that in your marriage because I, I think we have to. Uh, in the third week, we're going to talk about staying Christ-like in your marriage and being a child of God uh, in your marriage. And then we're going to talk about how to use your marriage to serve God over anything else. And so stick around with us. But here's what I want you to hear. This is the best example that Paul could come up with about talking about Christ and you and the church. And he uses marriage to do it. What we know about Jesus is that he's always forgiving. He's gracious. He's the example of love and sacrifice. And we know that with Jesus, you and I, we have a second a third, a fourth, a fifth, a 10,336,532 second chance, right? Like unlimited chances. And then you, with you and your relationship with Jesus, it's not over. And I want to tell you this. There are people in here, your marriage is rocking, Right? 
use these principles and just take your marriage to the next step. Doesn't that fire you up, excite you, that your marriage can get even better? There are some of us that our marriages today, eh. I mean, we're here, right? <laughs> like we're, we're pals. Doesn't excite you that you, you're gonna ha- you have principles to take your marriage and to make it fire, like go get it, marriage. Then there's marriages in here that, if we're honest, are on their way out. That without Christ, they're just kind of on their way to end in divorce. It's not over. Your marriage is not over. And God loves your marriage, and he wants your marriage to work. And you just have to dig in, clench your fists, flare your nostrils, and say, it is not over. Your marriage is not over because Christ Do you want it? Go love each other this way. Oh, it'll be there. I promise it'll be there. All right, let's pray. God, we love you, and uh, we're thankful, God, that you, one, that you're the example of what sacrifice looks like. I mean, without your sacrifice, God, we... We don't really have a good picture of it, of how to live this out. And um, I think it seems insignificant when we talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, the sacrifice and the suffering. But um, thanks. God, I just uh, now, I thank you for the strong marriages in here. They set an example. Uh, God, I thank you for the marriages that are long-lasting. God, that we can look at those, those guys, those, those men and women, and say, I want that. And we can see the fire and the passion still in their life. God, thanks for those examples. God, for those of us in here that have a marriage that's just, eh. God, light a fire. God, give us the courage and the humility to take that to the next level. God, for those of us in here who have a marriage that's just uh, hardly that, resurrect it. In the same way that you breathed life into Jesus' lifeless body, God, breathe life into our marriage now. Like now. God, give us new eyes when we walk out of here. Give us excitement. Give us a, um, uh, a burning passion for each other. Um, God, you, you are so good, um, and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.